we've been talking over the last few weeks about who exactly Jesus is. And we've, we've done a lot of things. And actually up here, I'm going to give you guys at the end of tonight, uh, we're already running a little bit behind, so I can't do exactly what I was going to. But I have in here all your responses of, at the very first week when we started this series of who you said Jesus was. And I'm excited for you guys to go back and get to read those and write on the other side of the card who Jesus is to you now. That we've talked about all these different things. But we've talked about... That Jesus was a man, that he was a human man, right? That he was a, be- a human being. And that was important, right? We'll talk exactly why that's important tonight. We looked at that he was a servant, that he came. We looked at the story of him washing his disciples' feet and what that meant, that he was there more to just cleanse their feet, you know, but that he was there to cleanse their souls as well. A couple weeks ago, we looked at that he is a king. We looked at all the aspects of what makes a king and how Jesus is truly the king of kings. We don't just say that because it's like a cool fancy title, but because it's true that he is a king that rules over all other kings and kingdoms. And then last week we looked at the fact that Jesus is not just a man, not just a servant, not just a king, that he is more than just a human being, that he is fully God, or that he's fully man, like we talked about, he's fully man, but that he is also fully God as well. And we talked about the importance of the fact that Jesus is God, that God and Jesus are not two different people. And I don't want to get too tripped up here in like the, the, the theology of the Trinity because it's very, very confusing. But that God and Jesus aren't two different like people. They're two different beings, but they are one God. That there aren't two gods, that Christianity doesn't believe that there's a God and a Jesus. They do believe that, but that they are one together, true God. And like I said, It's something very confusing, very hard to understand, but it's what the Bible teaches. And it's something that on this side of heaven, this side of eternity, we will never fully understand. But we know the Bible teaches that God, that Jesus is fully man and fully God. And that's what we've looked at over the last few weeks. And you might have been wondering why that's important. And I told you at the very beginning of this series, if you were here and if you're not, I'm going to tell you right now. That your decision, your personal decision, what you wrote on this card right here, and what you would write on this card again today, is the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. Period. And exactly tonight, we are going to look at why that is the most important decision you will ever make. Because I'm sure when I said that, and probably when I said it tonight, you're going, why? Like, there's other important decisions that I'm going to make in my life. Like... What job I'm going to have, who I'm going to marry, where I'm going to go to college, if you're going to go to college, or, you know, whatever you're going to do. You have a lot of important decisions, but the most important decision you will ever make is who you personally say Jesus is. We talked about that big fancy word called a Christology the first week, and we said your personal Christology, your personal belief of who Jesus is, is the most important thing that you will ever decide. And so tonight we're going to see the answer to all these questions, why these things are all important. It's all going to connect together because we're going to look at the final piece of what I'm calling the Jesus puzzle. And that is that Jesus is not a something, not a man, not a servant, not a king, not a God, but that he is the sacrifice. That Jesus is the one true sacrifice. So to fully understand how Jesus is a sacrifice, we have to first understand that there's a problem, okay? That that there's an issue 
that is in need of fixing. Okay? And this issue is called sin. And if you were at Winter Jam, I love the way that, that Rustin, the, the speaker that, uh, or Zane, sorry, Zane Black, the speaker that they had up there, talked about, and, and we've talked about this at Upward before, that sin is actually an archery term that just simply means missing the mark, right? It's when you miss the target, you've sinned, okay? And so in our lives, when we do things that aren't the right thing, we miss the target, we have sinned against God, okay? And so when we look at the Bible, and we look at what the Bible teaches, it tells us that humanity, that people have a sin problem. They have a sin problem. And it starts in the book of Genesis, which Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Starts in verse three or chapter three, which is like the very beginning. So verses, sorry, chapters one and two talk about how God created the earth. And then in the first chapter that humans get to do anything, they mess it all up. Okay. So in chapter three, we see the very popular story of Adam and Eve. And what do Adam and Eve do? They eat of the one tree. God said, you can do anything. In this garden, you can eat of any tree, you can do whatever, just don't eat of this one tree. And they, the Bible tells us a serpent, which we now know is the same enemy that we struggle with today, that tempts us and makes us do things that we know we shouldn't do. The serpent came and tempted them to eat of the fruit of the one forbidden tree. And they did. And in that moment, all of humanity now had a sin problem. Now, one of the biggest questions I get asked in Christianity is how do I know if something's sin or not? Like, so you'd be like, okay, well, I know that if I murder someone, like that's really bad, like that's a really bad sin. And like if I, I know the Bible says that like lying's a sin, but if I like, if I'm lying because I don't want to hurt someone's feelings, is it really a sin? Okay, so here's the best way I can explain what a sin is. Because the Bible has a lot of like laws in it. But the Bible doesn't just sit down and say, this is a sin, this is a sin, this is a sin, this is a sin. It does that to a degree. But we have to understand that in reality, what sin is, is it's anything that goes against God or takes focus and glory away from God. Okay? It could also be anything that takes glory and focus away from God or places glory or focus on us. So, for example, you can do the same thing that seems like a nice thing, that seems like a good thing, and one could be doing the right Christianly godly thing, and the other could be sinning just based on your heart and how you feel while you're doing that thing. So, for example, if you were to go work in a soup kitchen and feed the homeless... And you did that because you felt like that was your way of honoring what God says about to take care of those in need. The Bible says that. The Bible says we're to take care of those who are in need. And you said, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to serve in the soup kitchen. Take care of those who are in need because that's what God tells me to do. And I want to honor God with that. And you go in to try to be what the Bible calls the hands and the feet of Jesus, right? To do the things that Jesus would do if he was on earth today. And you go in and you do that. And you honor God by doing that. And then you could do so then you could do the same thing the next day because it felt so good, but you could go in and everybody who comes to the soup line, you could be like, Hey, isn't it so awesome that I'm helping in the soup line? I, aren't I such a good person for coming here and giving you guys food? Like I'm such man, 
it's fantastic that I'm here to take care of you, right? And all of a sudden you're doing the exact same thing. But the first day, it was honoring God, but the second day, it was sinning. Do you see how that works? So sin's not always just a black and white, right and wrong, like, oh, this is always a sin, and this is always not a sin. There are things that we can look at, like lying and murder and whatever you like. We could make a list of all things we know are, yes, that is sin. But there's all this gray area that confuses us. And that, that gray area, man, that's where Satan loves to work. He loves to work in that area where we question and we go, is this really wrong? Can I do this? Is it okay? You know, if I'm doing it, but I'm, I'm trying to help someone or I'm doing this because, you know, it's, it's better this way. We're taking away from God and that becomes sin. And so if we begin to examine our lives, we, we find out that we don't just sin occasionally or we don't just sin a couple times in our life. We sin a lot, right? Like think about how many times in the day we do things to give ourselves glory or to take the focus away from God. Like just being honest, if you go the whole day without even thinking about God at all and how your life is honoring him, man, your life is just full of sin. That's just a reality. And so when we look at this and we realize that sin is anything that is, that is distracting or taking away from the glory of God, we realize that our lives are just completely full of sin. We have a sin problem, period. And so it should be no shock to us when we read in the Bible that in Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like we should all be like, that makes sense. I sin a lot. I know my best friend sins a lot. I know Brian sins a lot. I saw him jamming out and hey, banging his head to heavy metal. That's probably sin, right? Like, okay. Everyone sins a lot. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Adam and Eve introduced sin into the world and mankind is still fighting a battle with it to this day. Now, unlike Adam and Eve, we don't have a mysterious talking serpent that apparently had legs before God took them away. We're not going to get into that today, but we don't have that coming up and tempting us. But instead, we have, we have an enemy in Satan that works in our minds, in our bodies, in the media, in whatever we surround ourselves with. He works and he speaks to us and he says things like, follow your heart. You know what's right. Live your truth. Be who you want to be. Or he says, he, he's that voice that says, you know what, if you do this, it's really not that bad. You're doing it for the right reason. We don't have a, a physical serpent that follows us around and tempts us to eat fruit off a tree, but we do have an enemy that speaks into our lives and he uses any and always he can find to try to confuse us and tempt us to do things that we know we're not supposed to do. In fact, the Bible says that Satan stalks around like a lion seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And we see him say so himself in the book of Job. He literally says, I'm, Jesus said, ask him, where have you been? Where'd you come from? And Satan says, oh, I was on earth just checking things out. Like he literally admits 
that he himself is walking around causing havoc. So we know that humanity has a sin problem. But we may ask ourselves, what's the problem with this? Why is that so bad? Like, is it, you know, like, as long as I'm mostly a good person, isn't it okay if I make mistakes once in a while? Like, I try really hard to be a good person, but everyone's going to make mistakes, right? So is it really that big of a deal that I have a sin problem? But here's the issue. We know that God is holy and blameless, meaning he's perfect. He's without sin. Meaning that God cannot come in contact or even be associated with sin, or he will be too, like humanity, contaminated by this sin. I don't know what this isn't exactly what we're doing up here, but I don't know if any of you guys have ever taken food coloring in like a glass of water and put one drop in. It only takes one drop of food coloring and it spreads throughout the whole jar of water, right? Okay? We know that sin acts like that, where one single drop can contaminate everything. And so God himself can't be around, can't associate with, can't be with us in our sinful state. And what this creates is a debt to God. Even the tiniest amount of sin means that we are separated from God. And we know that God is called the author of life, that God created all of the world, he created all life. God is the author of life. He is life. And so if you are separated from life, you are what? What are you if you're separated from life? Dead, right? Yeah, if you're separated from life, you're dead. Okay, that's not shocking. So if we look at this fact that when we sin, we separate ourselves from God, who is life, it shouldn't again shock us. When we look at the Bible and it says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin, what we deserve, what we get, wages are like what you get is money, like when you work, right? So your wages for what you get when you sin is death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That makes sense, right? We sin, we separate ourselves from God, we are separated from life, we are dead. And it makes this debt, this sin debt, it's, it's a spiritual debt. We are indebted to God for our sin that we cannot, we cannot pay this debt <clears throat> because it's a spiritual debt. And we are mortal human beings. We are incapable, incapable of on our own paying this debt for our own sin. We owe God a spiritual sin debt that we cannot pay. Okay, so let me make sure everyone's with me before I get to this last part. Humans, contaminated by sin. We have a sin problem, right? Anything contaminated by sin is subjected to spiritual death through separation from God. We all understand that. And the spiritual debt that we owe God that separates us from him, we cannot pay ourselves. Everyone with me on that? This is yes, this is no. Everyone with me? Good. Okay, so... What is the solution to this problem? Jesus. We come back to this, who is Jesus? Jesus is not just the sacrifice, which we'll get to in a second, but he's the solution through that sacrifice. 
But I, I would hope that most of you guys saw that coming, right? I mean, literally tonight's called Who is Jesus? And we literally talked about. So I would hope you knew that that was coming. So instead of just saying, hey, Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the answer. Thank you and good night. Let's look at why Jesus is the solution. Okay, let's look at why he's the solution to our sin problem. Jesus is the solution to the sin problem because he was all these things that we've talked about over the last four weeks that we've met together. Specifically, the fact that he was fully God and that he was fully man. Because guess what that means? That means as a man, he could receive the punishment that we deserved. The death that we deserved, the the penalty that we were supposed to pay, Jesus could pay it because he was a human, a man. But more importantly, as being fully God, he was perfect and he was without sin. And so by receiving a punishment that he did not deserve, he succeeded in paying the spiritual debt that we owed to God. And when we look at it like that, we can clearly see the importance of who Jesus is. He had to be fully man. He had to be a servant. He had to be a king. And most importantly, he had to be God. To die the death on the cross that he did, to raise from the grave like we sang about tonight, to pay the debt that we owed God for our own sin that we live in each and every day. That's why we see in Romans 5.8, where it says, God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were dirty and messed up and living in sin, Christ died for us. That's why Jesus did that. That's why he went to the cross and died, was for you and for me, for everyone in this room and everyone in this world. That's why he did that. He died to pay a spiritual debt to God. And that's why we see Romans 6, 23, right? We already said, says, for the wages of sin is death, right? That's what we deserve. There's a but right here, okay? Not that kind of but. (laughs) B-U-1-T, okay? There's a but right here that says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life with him in heaven through his son, Christ Jesus, and his sacrifice on the cross. Guys, the Bible just screams all these things about who Jesus is. It's plain. We've walked through it step by step by step about who Jesus is. And it all points to the fact that Jesus is this sacrifice to cover our sins. And just in case you don't fully understand, I've got something here and I'm going to show you guys something. Grace, can you hit the lights for me? You may have to get all of them real quick. We'll see if we can make this work, okay? So what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to pretend this is clear. Okay? Everyone use your imagination. Okay? Pretend that this one looks like this one, okay? Just work with me here. I put a little too much of the magic stuff in this one and it made it cloudy, okay? But it's supposed to look like this, okay? Just work with me. So, pretending, listen, pretending that this is clear... This is Jesus, and this is us. Okay, again, pretending this is clear. Listen, shh. Pretending this is clear. 
We can see that our life can look a lot like Jesus, right? Guys, just stick with me, okay? It's supposed to be clear. Okay? We can see that our lives can look a lot like Jesus. We can do a lot of things that make us look like a good person, right? But in reality, when we look at it through God's eyes... That didn't work the way it was supposed to. But listen... I think I did it right. I may have messed it up a little. I may have added a little too much skimmel. The, the, the main point still works, okay? But listen to me. <clears throat> Through God's eyes, we can see that even if we do things right on this earth and we look perfect on this earth, that we're not, okay? Grace, will you turn on the, the can light? Or you can turn on all lights. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Look at me. We don't just have a little sin in us that makes us like look sinful through God's eyes. We have a lot of sin, right? So like maybe you cheated on your math test. Is that alcohol? Or maybe listen, listen, listen. Or maybe you lied to your friend the other day. Maybe you uh, took some money from your parents. I don't know. But whatever it is, your life does not just have a little sin in it. Right? Your life is full of sin. Okay? Your life doesn't look like Jesus in the way that it should. And let me just tell you right now, again, pretending this is clear, if you have to be clear and look like Jesus to get into heaven, guess what? You're not getting into heaven. Right? You're not getting into heaven. But guess what? Hey, stick with me. One second. But guess what? Because of who Jesus is, okay? Because of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for you. Okay? And let me tell you something right now. Jesus doesn't just wash away the sins in your life. He washes away all the sins that you will ever commit. Okay? Listen to me. Listen to me as I make this point. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross cleans us up and opens the door that we can get into heaven because we are now like him. We're viewed by God as perfect, blameless, Because of the death and the sacrifice of Jesus. So what is our role in this? What does this mean for you? Like, what what does this mean for teenagers in 2023? Why is it important that we know who Jesus is? Why is it important that that the most important decision you will ever make that you know who Jesus is? Well, I'm going to show you guys right now. In Romans 10, verse 9. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is God and believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is God and believe in your heart that God that had him sent to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and he was risen again for your sins to wash you clean like you just saw me make this magically disappear. The Bible says you will be saved. 
that you will spend eternity with God in heaven. But it goes on from there. And it says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Right? That means that you're, the justice that you were due for your sin has been wiped away. Justice has been done by you believing in your heart. And then it says, at the end of verse 10, it says, and what is with your mouth that you confess and you are saved. <laughs> 